Welcome to the New Space India podcast, a bi-weekly talk show that exclusively captures insightful conversations with people contributing to advancement of space activities in India. The New Space India podcast is pleased to announce our association with Dassault Systems, a global leader in providing business and people with collaborative virtual environments to imagine sustainable innovations. Dassault Systems Solutions supports startups small and medium sized enterprises and original equipment manufacturers in developing disruptive solutions for space launchers and satellite propulsion recently a supply chain digitization study with dassault systems was conducted to provide a foundational understanding of the supplier landscape in the indian space ecosystem please use the link in the description to download the public white paper of the results of this study which will also give you a perspective on how ready indian suppliers are to enter the global space market hi everyone and welcome to yet another episode of the new space uh, india podcast and today we have uh, dr madhavan nair rajivan here with us uh, who is very kind in uh, giving us time in recording an episode on how the ministry of earth sciences uh, of government of india actually uses space technology for the benefit of the society in india Dr. Madhavan, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you, thank you very much. So, space, uh, you know, is an integral part of uh, providing data and you know measurement and other aspects. Uh, has been a part of it for for a long time now, and so I personally wanted to learn from you in the current structure of how the Ministry of Earth Sciences is, uh, you know, put together. what is the role of uh, space technology and you know how does it actually translate to your work uh, to passing on the benefits of that uh, to the society in, at large in india well uh, ministry of earth science has the mandate of providing uh, weather climate ocean and also seismological services so that means uh, we need to really issue forecast for weather and also we have to issue forecast for ocean state and tsunami warnings etc and also we have responsibility of uh, cryosphere studies uh, both uh, all three poles uh, arctic antarctic as well as uh, himalayas so we need to really understand how this how these three poles really work and what are the impacts on climate change on these three poles and also we develop ocean technology for example we have a mandate of uh, exploring minerals from the bottom of the sea and for that we need to really develop a special kind of technology uh, so that we are uh, that also we have the responsibility so basically we uh, the ministry holistically address all the components of earth system science both atmosphere ocean cryosphere etc and uh, and also the core earth and uh, so uh, so in this um, endeavor we make use of many tools of course we take uh, measurements in the atmosphere we take measurements in the ocean deep ocean including deep ocean and also we take observations over arctic and antarctic as well as himalayas and these are all in situ observ- observations using sensor different kinds of sensors we take and different param- different parameters are measured so but the satellites uh, will give us uh, a plenty of uh, more observations and it covers uh, the advantage of satellites is it covers a larger area and so that which uh, we cannot really do it with in situ observations so satellite observations are uh, uh, ingredient to our activities day to day activities without satellite data ministry of science really will not able to survive 
and uh, mostly it is used for weather and climate prediction but uh, satellite data are also used in many other areas like for some ocean state forecast ocean understanding of ocean science and also for arctic antarctic as well as himalaya studies we use uh, to understand how the cryosphere is changing for example as far as weather is concerned satellite data is being used very extensively and we use uh, so called numerical weather prediction models for predicting weather for next 10 days or next one month or so for that you need to really put input data and uh, both the atmospheric as well as ocean data and also land surface data etc if we you assume that if 100 data goes into the model every day we do it twice in a day sometimes we do four times in a day weather forecast and uh, we call initialization model initialization while we initialize the model initialize the model we need to really put the actual observations so if we assume that 100 data goes into the model out of 100 data 90 data comes from 90% of data comes from satellite so without satellite so that means almost 90% of data which goes into the model are from satellite so satellites is a very very important ingredient our day to day life in the ministry of sciences yes science ministry of science cannot think of a life without satellites of course we use uh, not only indian satellites we use uh, satellites from european union umatsat uh, you also we make use of satellites from nova we also satellite data from cma as well as jma so many satellites data we use whatever available we use and uh, about the out of uh, uh, say we have i have we, i can give a small uh, indication how much data we archive also we use it and uh, total about 430 gb data we use every day of satellite data and out of that about uh, 100 gb data almost one fourth of data comes from indian satellites remaining 300 gb or so data comes from different satellites like uh, nova etc so without um, satellite data we will not able to do our work and this as i told that's very important ingredient and ministry of air sciences do a lot of activities to for socio economic benefits of the country uh, for example weather forecast through weather warnings etc we save people uh, you can just uh, uh, the last two, last two weeks we had two cyclones one it went to gujarat one another one went to odisha as well as west bengal mainly because of our uh, imd's uh, accurate forecast uh, the governments of state governments and as well as ndma could act together put uh, do it good team work and they could save a lot of lives in 1999 at uh, avan tropical cyclone attacked uh, odisha about 10000 people died now this time only hardly three or four people died so this is such kind of an improvement in a disaster management system came mainly because we are able to now we are able to give a, a, a warning for warning almost one week before so the state governments have plenty of time to prepare as well as ndma so that they can move their forces to different places and they can ask people to start leaving their houses evacuation can be done etc so we do a lot of uh, socio economic uh, services and another important is ocean we do services for ocean community people who are going like fisherman for example the important activity of fisherman is when they go far out we give a services called potential fishery zone advisories where they should go for maximum catch of fish and that is mainly used uh, that that service is mainly based on satellite data because we use the chlorophyll as well as sea surface temperature data derived from satellites so that is one of the beautiful service which we provide actually it was it was first it was done by isro then now we have developed our own technology of course but based on satellite data 
to give this kind of potential fishery zone advisories for the fishermen. And also when the storm comes, we advise the ships which are flying in the oceans just to move out. So such kind of uh, advisories we give. And also we give uh, uh, seismological observations, uh, for example, earthquake, where earthquake. We, we don't have a capability to predict earthquakes, but we have capability of monitoring and also the informing people. Within five minutes of an earthquake, we are able to pinpoint where it happened and what was the intensity and, uh, and, uh, and what could be the impact. And we inform uh, the top officials of the government to take uh, further action. So uh, we do a lot of uh, important activities which uh, really affect socio-economic, sorry, social as well as economic sectors of the country. We save people, we improve our the economic, uh, we uh, contribute to the economic benefits of the country. And for example, uh, another important service we give uh, is for the farmers. Uh, it's called agrometeorological services. We give forecasts uh, twice in a week and uh, for the next five days. And uh, the, the people make use of, farmers make use of our services and they earn a lot of money. And the third party assessment very clearly shows that they earn a lot of money because of our uh, inputs on weather. Because in the, as all of you will appreciate that agrometeorological uh, activities completely based on weather forecast. And the farmers can take a decision based on, for example, when, when they have to do the sowing, when they have to put the uh, fertilizer, when they have to put water again when they should not put water, when they should not put uh, for some pesticide, etc. So all completely based on our weather information, so which we provide and they earn a lot of money. In these agrometeorological services also we use extensively the satellite information and for giving information to the people. So we do a lot of good work and uh, satellite data, satellite information is an uh, important ingredient. Right. I actually saw that uh, you started your career uh, back in uh, TIFR and this whole Ministry of Earth Sciences, uh, you know, structure, I guess, of uh, combining multiple institutes, um, you know, including ocean and earth sciences and Antarctic and so on is, uh, is rather new from that period of time. So I'm guessing that, uh, you know, just around the time of the inception of ISRO and so on, most of your... Uh, activities uh, under all of these other institutions that are looking at different perspectives were all based on uh, ground-based radars or maybe some kind of stratospheric uh, uh, balloon measurement or you know some kind of sounding rockets or mostly restricted to ground as well as uh, limited some limited to air as such so can you you know tell us a little bit more about uh, what is the history or the first engagement of using space-based uh, information when it comes to India and ISRO? And, you know, what was the first such program and how it has evolved, you know, probably from the 70s when ISRO started doing more and more space-related stuff? Yeah, that's true. So even before uh, ISRO uh, came into existence and uh, we, IMD, uh, India Meteorology Department, started using satellite data, uh, in fact, even the first uh, satellite arose uh, 1961 and they started using that satellite and 1964 IMD started satellite observations uh, which are given by US so the, even 1964 is the first uh, real uh, kind of a real-time um, uh, work of uh, using satellite data uh, started by IMD in 1964 and uh, really with uh, good linkage with uh, ISRO has started in 19, early 1980s uh, for example after the launch of inside one data reception and we st IMD started uh, receiving this data every three hours, and that was in 1982. And the same year, IMD has established a directorate called, or a kind of a division called Satellite Meteorology Division. And even now, Satellite Meteorology Directorate is existing. 
in IMD and they do a lot of services and they do a lot of help to IMD. So from early 1980s, IMD has IMD and as well as IMD at that time it was a part of Department of Science and Technology and later they joined in Ministry of Air Sciences. So, but, so, so I, will, I will briefly say that the Ministry of Air Sciences so has a kind of a connection with ISRO, very, very strong relationship with ISRO. And it's almost like a two family, two brother and sister kind of relationship. And uh, so that relationship started in 1980, early 1980s and still it is going very, very strong. And uh, the, after, after this insight, uh, one, we had uh, 2000, we had, so, so 2000s, we had satellite of Kalpana, then insight uh, 3A. Uh, and also the, now we are handling insight 3D and 3DR. So those are the two satellite data which we are handling for day-to-day -day, uh, monitoring of weather as well as for prediction of weather, for, uh, sorry, for making weather predictions. And insert 3D, 3D are sounders also. These two series as sounders data, which will give you a vertical profile of all the information, temperature, humidity, etc., which, which we find it very, very useful. And uh, so, and, and we also have a direct reception now. So, so we don't get it through. Earlier, we used to get it through Space Application Center, all this data. Now we have our own station in uh, set up in Delhi, which of course ISRO has helped us to establish. And we are directly receiving this data from uh, ISRO, and uh, and uh, it's also being processed uh, this data. And uh, now a dedicated Earth station is uh, set up in, uh, to receive direct data directly uh, for uh, for our, uh, operational insight series, uh, 3D as well as 3D R. And uh, so this data is also being used for deriving many products. Uh, it's not just images which we use. And of course, the other uh, the sounder data it goes into the numerical weather prediction model for input, and also we produce a lot of products. Uh, for example, uh, cloud motion vectors, uh, water vapor winds, visible and mid-air uh, mid-infrared uh, winds, and winds uh, derive products like vorticity. These are dynamical parameters which are useful for forecasting. Uh, very important parameter called outgoing long wave radiations, uh, quantitative precipitation estimates. Of course, using IR, IR data, quantitative precipitation estimates may not be that accurate, but still we make use of that data for uh, finding out what is QPF. And many, many sea surface temperature, upper tropospheric humidity, nighttime fog, which is a very useful product which we IMD is extensively using because in the winter season we get a lot of fog and normally we use visible channel of uh, insert series for understanding how the fog is spreading but in the night time we have now algorithm to find out the fog in the even during night time and snow cover aerosol are picked up so so many parameters we are being derived using this insight data and imd recently signed a mou with isro and for setting up a uh, establishment of multi-mission meteorological data receiving and processing system mmdrps Again, uh, it's an end-to-end near real-time data processing system to acquire and process all meteorological data transmitted by the major sounder and DRT payloads. For example, 3D, 3DR, and 3DS is yet to come, but uh, when it comes, we will be making use of the data. The system is also envisaged to acquire raw data from serial streams, etc. So this, and we also have set up new high-end surveys and workstations for this system. And now earlier the processing time of satellite data is to be 20 minutes. Now that is being reduced to now seven minutes. So with the seven minutes, we are able to process the whole scan and we are able to get this information as well as the data. It's a very, 
very advanced uh, system we have we are able to establish thanks to uh, isro so we are very thankful to isro so we have from 1980s early 1980s even now we have very very strong relationship with isro on satellite uh, information as well as satellite systems and i am very sure this uh, this this uh, this relationship will continue for ever in the coming years right thank you for that and uh, one of the complex aspects uh, here is that you are the end user right so you are really using the data at the end and then passing that on to other you know ministries who are or or people themselves uh, to take measures but then there is a a gap here in the sense that uh, isro is really building that equipment or those satellites and so on right so which means that uh, you know they should probably translate what you have as your requirement and you know translate that into how that how does that translate to you know the size of a satellite or the a particular sensor or a specification or a sensor or you know to decide to put something in the geo orbit or in the leo orbit or or so on right so there's that technical translation that kind of happens between what you as an end user want in data and what they can build as a particular satellite system so can you walk us through a, to tell how exactly you know this uh, engagement happens when it comes to what you say as your requirement and then how does that get translated into actual hardware that you know then is put into space yeah actually we have uh, committees um, uh, when we throw plans for next 5 years what they should do they make a committee for different uh, kinds of applications one will be on uh, for the meteorology so then uh, the normally the imd dg the director general as well as imd senior officials ministry representatives will be the members so we give our in, uh, information we give our information regarding our requirements what kind of uh, information we want what we have now and what are our future requirement in terms of uh, parameter which parameter we need more and uh, what kind of accuracy you need and what kind of uh, spatial as well as vertical if it is a sounder data what kind of vertical resolution we need so this information is uh, collected by isro in, uh, in uh, join working groups and then they process for uh, setting up their sensors uh, and setting up the instrumentation etc so the our the inputs from uh, ministry of science will be the beginning of such kind of uh, are designing their uh, sensors as well as designing the new next uh, mission uh, for by isro especially exclusively for the meteorology of course they may put uh, this uh, sensors and etc in uh, satellite which uh, which are which have other applications also uh, and uh, they may not exclusively make a satellite exclusively for us of course kalpana i was told that i understand that kalpana satellite was exclusively for meteorology so so such kind of uh, missions when they plan they they normally accommodate our requirements So for example i can give an, a good example of a present requirement of course we have plenty of requirements which we keep on telling to isro we give keep on giving the information to them and one requirement is for example a lightning sensor so we get you know the india we have we are we have a lot of uh, lightning happening every year uh, every year many in different parts of the country and uh, and we normally get this uh, data earlier we used to get it through satellite cut trim and of course this is a polar orbiting satellite so, so when the the thunderstorms are lightning is a short lived phenomena and it occurs in 1 hour 1 and a half hours maximum 2 hours so when the polar satellite will comes over delhi and it, it may record but we don't know how long it continues because by that time satellite goes away so we need uh, the lightning detectors lightning sensors in a geostationary platform so we have been requesting isro 
please help us to establish the geostationary lighting sensor in the next geostationary systems or satellites which they go, going to launch. This is one, I'm just giving one example. So we, we understand our requirement, first we review our requirement and how we get the information, what are the sensors we need, what kind of parameters we need. So we, we are a part of the global uh, satellite uh, information system. For example, WMO has a working group, different WMO is nothing but World Meteorology Organization who guides all the nations, all the countries for weather and climate forecasts, etc. So they have different working groups, one is the satellite working groups. So they define, they discuss with among all the countries and try to come out with kind of recommendation what we should do next uh, five years or 10 years. So we get a lot of inputs from WMO and what kind of requirements. Then of course, our own requirement we can understand while doing our work. For example, we have two institutions who do numerical modeling. One is at uh, Indian Institute of Tropical Meteorology in Pune, another is a National Center for Medium Range Forecast in Noida. These two centers are mainly responsible for developing models and uh, so they understand what kind of data required. We do a lot of sensitivity study. I can give an example. We do get a lot of satellite data. And so the question is, I don't know, satellite data is uh, costly. It's a very costly affair, putting a satellite up and uh, taking observations and processing. And question is, which parameter will be very useful and what should be the accuracy of that instrument and what could be the, so kind of a relative merits of different parameters and different sensors. So unless you do that kind of exercise, we will be keeping on doing uh, same kind of putting sensors which may not be that useful for weather forecast. So, and also we may be spending a lot of money for that. So we, we have done a lot of exercise in understanding what kind of sensors, what kind of parameters are really useful and relative merits. So, so what we do is we first put it, that data and run the model and then we remove the data and see how much the, uh, the model is deteriorated in terms of forecast. So this is called uh, system analysis. We do it by for all parameters. And we come out with very interesting results. We find, of course, our in-state observations are different. I'm only talking about satellite observation. Among satellite observations, what we find is more important is the vertical profiles, not only the surface data. Surface data, of course, are useful. But more um, useful are the vertical profiles of temperature and humidity. And so we are more keen of IR uh, sounders, which have very high resolution, multispectral, hyperspectral profiles we need. And uh, inside 3D, 3DR, we have uh, sensor, sorry, sounders and we get the vertical profiles. But we personally feel that may not be sufficient. We need little higher accuracy and as well as higher resolution. So one is the vertical profile of wind, sorry, temperature and humidity. So for example, there are a lot of microwave sounders now available with the NOAA satellites. So we find that those the, the, that observations are very useful. And uh, another important parameter is the vertical profile of winds. Getting winds, winds of course, scatterometer, we get at the surface winds, but we don't get the vertical profile. So recently, you, uh, I'm very sure that all of you are aware about the satellite called ALUS, A-E-L-O-U-S. It's, it's launched by European uh, Union. And that, that data started coming now. And it gives, it is basically a radar, radar, microwave radar from the top it's looking at and it is measuring the, uh, it is, it's, it's, it's kind of measuring the vertical profile. And what it does is, of course, it has both the cloudy uh, sky as well as clear sky, both uh, mist scattering as well as uh, 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 Rayleigh scattering, both they have. 
So we started after taking this data and started processing it. Very, very useful, particular profile, especially a country like a tropical country like India, particular profiles of winds. So over the land, we get this particular profile by sending <coughs> balloons up. It's called radio sound observations. We do twice in a day from 50, over 50 stations. But over the oceans, we don't have stations. So over the oceans, we need to get the particular profile. So this is the big breakthrough. I personally feel it's a big breakthrough that this satellite, of course, it has some, it has some constraints. I understand that most of the accuracy of the data is mostly it is good for the top, uh, top layers of the atmosphere, not at the lower layer. So probably the next generation of this satellite will be able to measure the lower uh, particular winds also. So these are the some of the, so we do a lot of assessment and uh, using numerical simulations and also we are also advised by organization like World Material Organization. We collect this information and we pass on to ISRO for us to, for them to help us. This is the process we do. Right. I mean, that is very interesting as well. So one of the things that has happened, uh, you know, over the last uh, 10, 15 years is the popularity of uh, smartphones among uh, Indians, right? So you actually did talk about uh, fishermen and the data that you are providing for fishermen and ocean and, you know, monsoons and other things. So given that the penetration of uh, smartphones and then, you know, the cost of data coming down for people and so on, there are potential models where you could build, uh, you know, from a government to citizen kind of a model where you inform, you know, people directly on some of the things given, you know, weather is localized and conditions are localized. There's also a possibility for you to take that GPS data from the phones to then pass on all of this to them, right? So do you have any such uh, initiatives that is uh, going to a, a direct to citizen model, you know, making use of smartphone and then parsing all the data to then give them localized yeah. Uh, information. Yeah, we have, uh, but uh, we have started um, so-called mobile, uh, smartphone mobile applications. And uh, you are talking to a different story saying that uh, uh, somebody who has the mobile smartphone can get the data and pass on to us. And uh, then we can uh, use the, uh, the data to run the model and give the forecast to him. So that kind of a two-way process is not happening, unfortunately, uh, so far, so far, but it will happen. I, but I fully appreciate the need for such kind of uh, applications. But at present, what we do is, is uh, uh, we, we have mobile apps, uh, like, uh, for example, we have a mobile app called Mosom. We have mobile app called Megdud, Damini. Uh, Mosom is basically a local forecast and etc. cetera. Uh, Megdud is exclusively meant for farmers. And uh, Damini is basically for thunderstorm and lightning. We get information about lightning and uh, through Damini. And also for Mumbai uh, flood warning system, we established recently. So for that also, we have a small mobile app. So, but uh, uh, but what, what you are talking is slightly different. That means uh, anybody who has a smartphone can get the data and pass on to us. And then we give, the, give back that. It's kind of a crowdsourcing kind of uh, information through smartphones. We have recently started crowdsourcing and uh, we understand the importance of crowdsourcing and uh, because uh, when the even WMO when they talk about the next phase of observations they talk about the smart sensors a small a small scale observations from satellite a smart as well as small satellites and also the smartphones and um, and also through the mobile towers uh, we can get the through mobile towers you know you can get information about precipitation and the attenuation caused by rain can be measured and it can be converted into precipitation. So such kind of a very novel 
uh, innovative technologies and uh, methods we are exploring it but unfortunately i should uh, confess that imd is little slow in this and but i am very sure that they will catch up more uh, faster and uh, this such, such kind of uh, mobile uh, applications are very important uh, for uh, department like india meteorology department and we are very committed probably next six months we may come up such kind of uh, novel idea thank you yeah i mean i appreciate that uh, you know you were, you are giving such an insight into this as well uh, you know you did mention that uh, you use something like 430 gigabytes of data every day and you know one third of that is from isro and so on i mean it is a large amount of data to be consumed on a daily basis to run analysis and predictions and so on so given that you know today the world is uh, really moving towards uh, use of machine learning and artificial intelligence and so many other aspects i'm sure that the all of these have a will have a massive impact on you know weather and earthquakes and many other phenomena as well uh, do you have any like working groups or any such uh, you know uh, aspects of uh, using all of this data to create training models and then looking at how all of these other technologies that are emerging in machine learning and ai and other aspects to be then uh, be integrated into your current activities yeah there so aml are uh, very powerful tools we appreciate that and uh, we have been doing it uh, at least uh, ai for many years and uh, yeah, but now the emphasis has gone up now uh, appreciably and so we have set up uh, we have two institution as i told that they do are doing modeling work so they are already in the on the job of uh, developing tools based on ai and ml and when we talk about uh, prediction of extreme weather so there is a kind of question so extreme weather someday happens in a very smaller uh, spatial scale so when we run the model we need to really run it in a very high resolution and so question is whether when we run a high resolution the question is you need a bigger computer bigger computer means bigger you want you you need more money to buy a bigger computer number one number two is you need more energy to run that model more electricity is required to run the model so it, it is so it is a very costly affair now question is whether you should really run a very high resolution model or you should have technology like ai and ml for getting more information about the streamer so these are the two classes of uh, uh, different kinds of theories are coming out now whether people people who have money can really go ahead with the high resolution models but people who cannot really afford to have high resolution model there is a scope that aml technique really can really give a very important a very useful results in terms of prediction of extreme weather so we are on the job of course we are improving our uh, um, uh, weather prediction models at present our global model is of 12 km we are going to 5 km by this year we are going to buy another big computer we have about 10 petaflop mission now we will be buying another 15 or so 15 20 petaflop in uh, next one year so we will be improving our models but at the same time we understand the importance of aml technique we don't need big huge computer to run the aml algorithms it's very simple algorithm so simple means you need a, you don't need a with hpc to run the model so we we are already in the job so scientists at both iitm pune as well as ncmrwf noida they are working on that and also we have uh, we because at the same time we uh, assume that this work cannot be done only by scientists within mos so we we called for a proposals from different academic institution within the country uh, to please come up uh, with your proposal to help us in developing applications especially on weather and climate as well as uh, earthquake prediction etc 
uh, or even earthquake monitoring. So we have received almost more than 250 uh, proposals from different uh, universities, IATs, IATs, IAC, Bangalore, etc. Plenty of proposals. So we are processing those uh, proposals. We will be finalizing and we may be funding those proposals, maybe over 15, maybe 15 to 20 proposals we'll be funding. We'll be reserving about 10, 15 crore exclusively for that to start with. And so, uh, so I, I understand that we understand the importance of AML and we are on the job. Uh, probably we are a little slow. That's what my feeling, but we'll be doing much better work in the coming days. Right. And you actually did mention that uh, small satellites are one of the aspects that the WMO has mentioned as uh, one of the interesting new developments alongside all of these other technologies that can help with, uh, you know, all of these earth sciences and atmospheric sciences and others. We do have, you know, some of these uh, very young companies that are coming up in India for the first time and, you know, trying to build their own satellites for the first time in the country as such. Uh, given that, you know, it is a trend in many other parts of the world, you know, with uh, with US, with NOAA or with uh, with the Europeans and so on. So there is a, a larger trend of also involving such new actors, uh, you know, developing these new platforms to have them complement or give them data or give these institutions data as well. Uh, do you foresee any such uh, possibilities where these young companies and young actors in India that are up and coming, they have the possibility of engaging with you directly uh, by, you know, providing you some sensors or some information or so on that can complement that is, you know, already your engagement that is existing with ISRO at this point of time? Uh, I, I first impression, first um, uh, quick response is yes, it's definitely it is required. I'll, I'll explain a little more detail. See, the recently WMO, of course, it's not public, it is not available in the public domain, but they have, see, now WMO is thinking of S system science prediction. It's not atmospheric prediction or it's not really weather prediction. It's a seamless prediction right from a prediction of next day weather to up to even decadal, even century time scale. So it's a system science prediction, basically, they are talking about. For that, what kind of observations are required? So we are, they set up a new team for understanding what kind of observations. So I was fortunate that I, it was, the responsibility was given to me. But of course, it, it was uh, I was helped by many people around the world. And we have brought out a document. And uh, and we are submitted to WMO, which they will consider. And it's, of course, it's not available in the public domain. So what we are emphasizing is low-cost technology for observations. And if you really want to improve models, if you ask me three ways of improving models, I will say one observation, two observations, three observations. Observations will really more, more, more observations of, of course, useful observation, quality observations will definitely will improve our forecast, especially on a shorter time scale, maybe up to five days, six days. Because it's a, basically it's an initial value problem. Weather prediction is an initial value problem. So if your initial conditions are perfect, your forecast will be perfect. So we need to really improve our forecast by improving our uh, observations. So, so instead of uh, spending too much money on very high cost satellites and high cost technology, small low cost technology, but reliable observations and uh, such kind of uh, uh, strategy we need to really follow because all only developed countries can put satellites up and uh, we need a lot of observations so even uh, a, more, a developing country also countries like india brazil and all can put up more satellites if you have a technology if you know if you know how to make a small satellite with uh, 
good observations, good accurate observations. So your point is that the, the industries and the, uh, the commercial firms coming out with such kind of uh, proposal should be highly encouraged. And uh, we need such kind of uh, players in this, uh, in this country to come out with proposals of taking observations. So they talk about a, a name called CubeSats. That's what WMO is talking, CubeSats. And CubeSats are nothing but small satellites of smaller, light, lighter uh, sensors, payloads, etc. Which can be launched easily, but you don't need uh, ISRO to launch, or you don't need a Kennedy Space Center to launch. So such kind of um, um, technology now the talking. I, I really welcome this, such kind of initiative. More and more players should come and uh, do this such, such kind of low-cost observations over this country. Right, and actually, you know, following this uh, trend, uh, there's been a major announcement recently. In fact, um, you know, one of the U.S. space companies that also has a very big, uh, you know, presence in India called uh, Climacell, and they've rebranded it, this company as call, calling themselves Tomorrow. So they initially were using all of this open source data to provide uh, weather-based uh, observation and uh, weather-based uh, models, uh, localized weather models to, I think, more or less uh, B2B kind of applications for weather. And interestingly, you know, recently in the last month or so, they actually announced uh, a constellation, a commercial weather constellation that they will run you for synthetic aperture radar, uh, you know, where they will use that data for themselves to improve their models and so on. I mean, they may also provide rollout some of these services in India that uh, may be for having, you know, B2B kind of application in insurance or, or logistics or others as well. So in your assessment, you know, you have seen, of course, this sector evolve for many, many decades now. Do you see even commercial weather as a big aspect that has taken off uh, because of all such uh, developments? And where do you see this heading in the next uh, you know, few years? Uh, I, actually, in India, of course, weather uh, uh, forecast as well as climate services are completely owned by India Meteorology Department, the Government of India organization. But IMD, I am very sure that IMD cannot really do all the uh, all the uh, job. And we have requirements, of, uh, new upcoming requirements from different communities for different kinds of applications. IMD, is, I am very sure IMD will not be able to manage that. So you need the different uh, commercial players to come up and uh, get involved and meet the requirements of people. So because, for example, energy sector. So uh, people are putting up wind farms, people are putting up solar farms. They need very accurate forecast for every 15 minutes uh, for the next 24 or 36 hours. And uh, getting a forecast for wind farm is very, very tough job. And this is one example I'm talking about. IMD will not be able to spend time on uh, developing technology because they, be, they, they have different kinds of uses. They cannot address many, many new uses which are coming out. And uh, this is one example of solar energy or wind energy. We, we, we do provide them some, some kind of uh, forecast now, but the, the requirement is much more than what we are able to provide now. So you need uh, such kind of uh, commercial players to come up and develop applications. So we'll be happy, for example, our weather forecast can be given to some commercial company and they can develop some special applications, specifically for men for a special sector, which ultimately will get benefit out of it, we'll be very happy. So we are planning to make a, a kind of a startup initiative, which we have not done so far. Our MOS has not done anything without startup. 
DST, uh, Department of Science and Technology, Biotechnology, they have done a lot of starts up. So we wanted to start up uh, uh, that kind of initiative to invite a commercial company, even, even though it may be small company, to come up and, and we can give, provide them the data, actual observations, and also the forecast, which they can make use of it and develop uh, applications. Uh, so I'll welcome such kind of players to come up and we need, IMD alone will not be able to uh, meet the requirements of the, the increasing, ever increasing requirements from different sectors. Only point, a point of concern is that when it comes about the prediction of uh, natural calamity, for example, cyclone, disaster, for example, if, if many people start doing it, it will be a chaos. In any, any country, even in the US, the cyclone typhoon prediction, uh, hurricane prediction, it's all managed by government labs, government organization. That should be left to only to the government organization. That's what my, my personal feeling. Otherwise, it can be coerced. Because two people running models and coming out with forecasts could be two different forecasts. So if two windows, forecasts are coming from two windows, government will be completely, will be in uh, uh, kind of a, what you call as kind of a state where they cannot take a decision and these decisions are to be taken very quickly so except for uh, such kind of uh, forecasts and warnings uh, especially especially related to natural disaster like cyclone uh, heavy rainfall flood warning etc but there could be a lot of other but that should be left with only with imd but any other application for example applicate developing application for agriculture sector they may need they, their requirement may be plenty we don't know we don't know we are not we only know that uh, they use it for sowing, but they, they can use this information for many, many other things. And uh, this is one, one, one example, uh, energy sector, uh, power sector, water resources management. So plenty of opportunities are there for IMD. I'm very sure IMD will not be able to meet this requirement. So you need players, commercial players to come up and uh, uh, start investing here and also meeting uh, developing technology as well as application for these sectors. I, I fully welcome that uh, aspect. Right. I mean, I really appreciate that uh, perspective as such. And you're also, you know, very open to all of these new developments as such. So that is really fantastic to hear. Um, you know, you talked about how you actually work with ISRO in telling them what the requirement of, of MOES and its institutions are. And ISRO is actually developing that uh, satellite system for you and providing that information. But then, you know, you are not the end user, right? So you are essentially generating the information for the end user and the government to actually take action or use that information that you are generating in itself. And as you said, you know, there's a large number of applications, even for all of this data that uh, you are interested in, in other sectors, in other ministries, in other departments. It could be both federal and state governments as such. Um, can you give a perspective on... How do you actually evangelize these departments to use the the services that you provide? And if they also come to you, like you go to ISRO saying that we need this XYZ information and can you actually provide this to us? Yeah, actually, we provide this information to different, uh, we call line ministry, different ministries, ministry, uh, different uh, departments of the government of India. And they come up with a requirement in terms of only weather and uh, climate uh, forecast as well as uh, ocean state forecast, etc. For some Ministry of Shipping may come up and our Coast, Coast Guard will come up with the requirement for the ocean state forecast, etc. And uh, so when the so but uh, ISRO also have a direct linkage with other ministries. They they don't only work with uh, MOES. 
So, for example, they also help, for example, railways, they also help agriculture ministry separately, they also help uh, disaster management people, they also help uh, water resources management people, for example, understanding the, the, the water resources at different places and especially for water management. So, ISRO doesn't work only with MOS, that's a good point. So, they normally work with many other ministries where the, the satellite applications can be there. I remember when Honorable Prime Minister took over, Honorable Narendra Modi took over as Prime Minister in 19, 2014, maybe after a couple of years, maybe 15, I don't remember exactly, 15 or so, he arranged a big meeting in which he called ISRO people, I think Mr. Mr. Kiran Kumar Saab was the, the secretary at that time of ISRO chairman. So he organized a big meeting and he invited all the departments and said that and uh, said that ISRO technology should be extensively used in all your day-to-day work in your ministry. So now we they have set up such kind of working groups with different ministries and ISRO technology is being extensively used not only by Ministry of Sciences but many other ministries. So when somebody comes to us for example uh, asking for a satellite inputs we will politely direct them to go to ISRO. Uh, but uh, as far as uh, weather and climate, our, our products is concerned, MOS uh, products are concerned, we address them directly. And for that, to develop that technology, to develop that product, if we need satellite data or satellite information, we go back to ISRO saying that these people are asking this product, and but this can be done only with some satellite data, which you may, may have to give to us. So such kind of feedback we do. So we have... Well, we don't we don't work independently. We don't work in silos. We work very. It's, it's a big teamwork is being done, especially on satellite uh, uh, data. So that's a good sign. I think we are all working together, and there's a good progress is happening. Right, and you know, you did mention about this uh, data pool uh, of uh, consolidating data from both Indian and uh, international sources. And, you know, one of the aspects that has taken off uh, around the world in the last few years is this aspect of uh, citizen science, where people are accessing data and information through open data portals and, you know, trying to come up with their own uh, set of uh, contributions at the end that can improve the local uh, communities at the end. Um, Do you have any such, uh, you know, citizen science initiatives where young people or students or, you know, even uh, working professionals who are interested in in all of this and they may be able to contribute in some form or the other can uh, participate well actually it's a, it's, a, it's a very important aspect we should really encourage such kind of so-called crowdsourcing and uh, getting information from public and common person and uh, not only in your data but also for any other information so we have i have been ad- advising imd for last uh, one year or so so that you please try to develop such kind of uh, technology in terms of mobile app or even a website for getting this such kind of information. And also, it should be a two-way process. It should be, should be also able to give them some, some, such kind of information back. And unfortunately, we, we could not develop the mobile app so far, but uh, we have done a mobile website. And in uh, IMD's mobile website, normal, uh, ordinary website, it's called the mossum.imd.gov.in. There is a link for crowdsourcing. But that is only a one-way process where we just give information about what is really happening. And what really happened in terms of whether uh, they may upload some images, some photographs, they may upload some data, they may upload some kind of uh, um, some kind of experience they may write. So, but uh, uh, but uh, the scope is much more. The scope is much more. So, IMD should really come out with such kind of. Uh, say now people uh, move with the mobiles outside. So, uh, 
logging into a computer and putting into the website and all may be difficult but we need to develop such kind of mobile apps i fully appreciate uh, your view saying that such kind of technology imd should adopt moe should adopt and we are on the job i think in the next few months we will come out with such kind of mobile apps even only yesterday only i advised uh, on uh, the, the director general of imd because they given good, good two forecast first two cyclones but i appreciated saying that this is not efficient sufficient we may need to really do much more digital technology application for imd so one is a uh, crowdsourcing of this information so i think imd will come out with such kind of technology in the coming uh, next few months right you know last uh, few questions as such so you know from your perspective uh, what is the next thing that you are really excited about in each of the aspects that you mentioned be it in the earth sciences aspect or be it in you know forecasting in monsoon in atmosphere be it in ocean and in uh, antarctic uh, region so where do you think you know we will see developments coming up from moes and from india contributing you know a lot of uh, new things in the next like say 3 to 5 years in all of these different areas yeah as all of you know that uh, isro is coming up with uh, next few satellites called gsat is coming up inside 3d s is coming up ocean side 3 is coming which will give us the scattermated data winds data over the surface but we need to have more of higher resolution as i at the beginning i was telling about uh, the vertical profiles as well as the high multispectral visible as well as ir images we need to understand the cloud amount and type cloud top height and temperature winds and sea and land surface temperatures precipitation aerosols so such kind of information you need high resolution multispectral visible as well as ir images then high ir hyperspectral sounders uh, as i told that vertical profiles of wind and sorry winds temperature and humidity are very very important inputs for the numerical weather prediction model so we need to provide we need to have very high hyperspectral sounders i think inside 3d r or 3d has only sub 16 or so uh, this what my understanding i don't remember exactly but uh, that uh, uh, channels are not sufficient we need more channels to provide uh, more uh, vertical profile better vertical profile of temperature humidity etc and as i said lightning images are very important especially in the geostationary platform and uh, also narrow band uh, high spectral hyperspectral resolution images for ocean color especially for understanding vegetations and uh, there also over the ocean to understand aerosol and cloud properties cloud albedo sorry surface albedo etc i was talking about the european union satellite mission called for vertical profiles of wind so we may have need to have such kind of better information and uh, people are also start talking about space weather uh, monitoring uh, especially a solar imagery particle detection uh, electron density etc and uh, so probably we need to really address that kind of issues also then another important parameter is called earth radiation budget instruments and uh, we don't have we, uh, we I, india never uh, set up a launch day satellite for measuring uh, uh, earth radiation budget except for uh, in the megatropics there was one sensor launched by uh, french people and uh, scare is called scare or something so we need more and more scare uh, platforms and earth radiation budget instruments for understanding at uh, radiation budget and also to understand solar it is for example if you want to really uh, forecast uh, solar radiation falling at the surface for solar panels so satellite data can be very useful especially in the clear skies of course cloudy sky it will be tricky 
but in the, at least in the clear sky if you have uh, such kind of radiation measurements from the top you can really calculate what will be in the top in the surface and such kind of uh, of course we have inside observations of solar radiation but uh, to get it uh, through satellite it will be it will be uh, large coverage and we can get a better observation so such kind of uh, new initiatives from earth radiation budget angle also will be required so what we need uh, more in the coming years is uh, basically uh, low cost sensors especially and also uh, vertical profiles of humidity temperature and uh, most importantly winds and you know when we talk about uh, now we are ta talking about the uh, services for urban the so called we call urban metrology for cities like mumbai chennai bangalore it's a very congested place there the, the metrology is very complex and um, the interaction between the atmosphere land surface properties and also the buildings and people's behavior aerosol air pollution is a very complex you need very very high resolution data especially from the cities um, you see we cannot put the observations every nook and corner it's first of all it's very difficult and second thing is maintenance will be difficult so can we have some satellites small satellites which can only look at some place some cities like if, for example bombay and can do such kind of very high resolution mapping of this kind of parameters such kind of very innovation innovative thinking we should really have i'll tell you with the growing populations urban metrology will play important role we need to really provide such kind of services and imd is going to launch this urban metrology program from 2021 to 26 the next five year plan program we are launching it so we have such kind of observation platforms we are we are trying to have it for example mumbai for mumbai flood we are set up 150 rain gauges now and four small x band radars we are procuring so with these four x band radar which will come in another few months so four radars plus 150 rain gauges can put together can be put together and we can get observations of rainfall every every 500 meter every 500 meter we can get one observation and can be updated every literally every one minute but at least we want to do it every 15 minutes such kind of network we cannot put it every all the cities but if satellites can a small satellite it may not be geostationary a small satellite can be like cubesat kind of technology i am not very uh, good expert in such kind of technology but my requirement is very simple if we can have some satellite platforms where we can have this kind of measurements in a very micro scale measurements with the 500 meter 1 kilometer of different parameters exclusively looking at cities that will be an important uh, Uh, important contribution from satellite uh, community so again thank you so much for uh, taking so much of your valuable time in uh, talking to us i think uh, what you said is uh, really really insightful because often we have guests who are experts from isro or you know people who are uh, trying to build space companies but uh, you know i also wanted to bring more and more people uh, like you who are actually using data and contributing to the society and the safety of the people and and so on so thank you again for taking so much of your time and uh, i hope to possibly catch up with you if possible in delhi uh, in person if you are around and available at some point of time thank you very much thank you very much thank you very much